0: Seahawk fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, here with Keith Myers, as usual, and a special guest today, Dan Vienz from the Emerald City Sportscast is joining us once again, a friend of the show. Happy to have both you guys here, and uh, we're going to talk Seahawk football, going to talk the uh, NFL draft, what the Seahawks did, maybe look around the NFC a little bit, and um, kind of check in with the roster and see if we're done yet. So, how you guys doing? Uh, Dan, welcome in.
1: Always good to be with you guys. This will probably be our shortest show in our history, I think, because there's only three picks. But uh, I'm looking forward to digging into this. Oh,
0: you're you're in for a surprise.
2: (laughs) Yeah. um, Anytime. Bill and I always say that. We're like, wow, this, this could be a short show. Like maybe, you know. And then it ends up being like over an hour and a half, and we're like, "Wow, that yeah. was not nearly as short."
0: <laughs> we'll, so. we'll do our best, uh. Dan. I promise. We <laughs> al, we always try to do our best, and it, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't doesn't.
1: have anywhere else to be, or anywhere else I'd rather be. So,
0: so, um, so, Keith, talk to me. You said uh, before we started the uh, recording that uh, you ended up having kind of a, a tiring weekend, and you were pretty tired today. So,
2: well, yeah, I mean, we've. Um, we ran into the fact that our, our furnace caught on fire um not, Ooh, that's not this good. weekend but the previous weekend and we're just we're just kind of dealing with the fallout from that and and getting stuff cleaned up and getting you know people in here to, to uh, give us bids to well we can't fix it because it literally burnt so mm. but to replace mm. it and, and all of that so it's been it's been stressful and everything but you know what is great for when I'm ha- having stressful weeks getting a chance to sit here and, and talk Seahawks football with you, Bill. So
0: yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, <laughs> not real life great? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, with three of us sitting here, uh, we'll, have, we'll have plenty to talk about, all sorts of different prospects and so forth. First, I want to mention um, just a little bit of team strategy type stuff. Um, Pete Carroll had a kind of news conferences throughout the weekend and mentioned that Gabe Jackson were, will be moving over to right guard while Damian Lewis moves over to left guard, just kind of want to get a quick take on that from you, Dan. Kind of, you know, what are your thoughts around their strategy with the offensive line this year, especially after the Russell Wilson kind of thing?
1: Yeah, that one caught me by surprise. And I, and I was watching that press conference live. You know, I always like those pre-draft press conferences to try and pick up on, uh, you know, little clues or hints. And, and uh, with only three picks this year, there weren't as many clues or as many hints, but... That was kind of a bombshell that was just sort of snuck in there. Um, I I was a little bit surprised. I thought they would keep Damian Lewis where he was because he's young, just going into his second year in the league, give him a chance to have that continuity and make that leap. Um, but looking at it, since he made that comment, I understand it. Gabe Jackson's been there, I think, six seasons now um, as a veteran. And, you know, maybe they think Lewis being kind of younger and a little more raw, It's 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 not – it's not too soon to move him over there. Uh, but I also kind of think of it this way. I, I was talking to one of my my buddies last night that, that uh, kind of like you and Keith, that that we talk about this stuff all the time, 24-7, 12 months a year. I like the pairs, how it sets up. You know, we were kind of excited before about Gabe Jackson next to Dwayne Brown, the two grizzled vets, really outstanding uh, guys on one side. But I kind of like the pairing now where you have Jackson, the vet, next to a guy who played well last year in Shell, but who's who's younger, and maybe has some deficiencies in his game. And then likewise on the other side, Lewis, the guy who's still pretty young and still learning the game next to Brown. I kind of like how that works. So, um, yeah, caught me by surprise, but I don't really think it changes how I feel about the line as a whole.
2: Yeah, for me, I actually kind of liked it because um, for that reason. I mean, you, 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 put, you put Jackson where he's been a pro bowler, and you leave him there instead of making him move, and then still expecting him to play at that level. And you put Lewis next to a pro bowler in uh, Dwayne Brown, and so you know that the communication is going to be on point. And if there's anything to be learned from the guy next to you, you're learning from the right guy if you're if you're right next to Brown. So um, I think it's a good it's a good fit overall for for Seattle's talent.
1: Yeah, instead of taking your two best pass protectors, which would be Jackson and Brown, and putting them on the same side, you're kind of you know, even though Lewis and Shell both both do pretty well in that area, you're kind of spreading that out a little bit. I, I can see what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, and then they, they left Posick alone, and they didn't draft really a, a guy to kind of compete with him there. So it'll be interesting. I mean, um, they brought in a couple of undrafted guys that might be able to to, to compete a little bit. And I, I do know that yeah. they like uh, Kyle. Um, And it's just Kyle Fuller. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Fuller. And it's just going to have to be... It it is what it is. I mean, it's not going to be any worse than it was last year in that position as long as he stays healthy. Um, You know, I think it'll be fine, especially since he's surrounded by really two good quality players. So,
1: Well, they obviously feel like it's going to be fine because as I was following that night of the draft, I was just shocked at how Mm -hmm. guys were falling to us. You know, even Landon Dickerson went later than we expected and the fact that Creed Humphrey was there, and I and I, I kept saying, I think I even tweeted it, if Creed Humphrey's there, you stay at fifty six, you take him, and you just call it a day. Yeah. Well, Creed um, Humphrey was was Keith's pick he, in our mock draft, yeah. and and On I our was, mock draft show. I yeah. was shocked That's, that he was there for him, and I was fit. like, wow,
0: he's normally going in the forties with all the composite big boards, everything that I'm looking at, and then he's he falls a little bit, he's there. It's like. Well, that's the obvious choice, right? Because you well, know you're going to have it. cornerback I mean, available yeah. at at 129 at worst. And at best, maybe you can move up a little bit and grab one of those two guys that you kind of really like. Yeah. And it just kind of fell in a completely different direction. So let's, let's talk about it. I mean, obviously, um, I think the Seahawks had the right position groups to emphasize not only in the draft, but after the draft in – undrafted free agents mm-hmm. that they, they picked up you know wide receiver uh cornerback and uh interior offensive line i think we're or, or, or offensive line in general were all right. positions of need that we all kind of established and and then there were other you know secondary needs and so forth but you know right at the very top they select a guy that i was extremely excited about right after the senior bowl it's like i really hadn't paid attention yeah. to to Dwayne eskridge um who they selected at number 56 over They didn't drop back, but he was a guy out of that senior bowl. I was like, wow, that's a that's a guy to pay attention to. He would really be a good fit for the Seahawks as far as being able to move in that uh, Shane Waldron offense um, to be able to, to, to get into open space. And once he's out there, he could be a threat to go the distance every time he touches the ball. I mean, a guy like that is really awesome. And then after a while, he just, he kind of became an afterthought as we moved around and talked about a whole bunch of different prospects and so forth. But, um, what are your thoughts, Keith first on the Dwayne Estridge pick and the strategy, the Seahawks elected to, to have in keeping that spot and and making that selection?
2: Well, I mean, you're going to keep that spot. I mean, that was one of the things that was said, um, I don't remember who it was, but one of the plugged in um, things was like, you know, don't be surprised if the Seahawks just sit and, and run three players. Um, yeah. And Rings, you know, from Seattle. And so and mm-hmm. he, he knows the team, he knows some people with them. And for him to be like, you know, don't be surprised if John Snyder doesn't do John Snyder things and move all over the place um, was interesting. And then that's what they did. Um, taking a wide receiver, though, I thought, given that the offensive lineman fell given the need at cornerback. I was really surprised at this pick. I also am not completely, you know, excited about the player given that he's five nine. I mean, he's he's a really hardworking guy who loves playing on special teams. So you know you're gonna get that out of him. And not just as a returner, but as like a guy who can um you know get downfield and make plays on on punt and 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 kick coverage and isn't afraid to come off the edge and try and block a kick. Um, and the field goal team, but, you know, we're talking about a guy who's five, nine and yeah, he's got the speed to take the top off of defense, but he's not going up and winning, you know, those 50, 50 balls. Uh, he's not, he's not big enough. Um, so I was, I was pretty surprised that this was the guy that they stuck at 56 for.
0: Yeah, Dan, um, are you surprised that this, that this is the player or that, that it was the spot.
1: Uh, not the spot surprised at the player. I even started as, as the draft got closer. I talked a little bit about it uh, last week on my show with Chris Clough. I tweeted it. The closer the draft got as I was trying to to ask myself, like, what would the Seahawks do to surprise me because they always do? Receiver kept it was the thing I kept coming back mm-hmm. to that while the consensus seemed to be, and I think we even talked about it the last time we were on here, that wide receiver three wasn't as big a need as some people tended to think it was. I just always go back to Pete Carroll's first press conference, the very first one when he spelled out his philosophy and a lot of attention gets paid to the fact that he talked in that press conference about how they wanted to run the football and he stuck to that, but he talked about loving guys that can score touchdowns too. Yeah. And and that's been in his history and, too. And, tilt and the, the I, field. Yeah. And, and the, so the, it didn't surprise me they went receiver. But I didn't really study Eskridge. I was aware of him because, uh, you you know, you said after the Senior Bowl you loved him. Well, so did Daniel Jeremiah. Like, I, there was so much buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl on how on how he performed um, against some good corners.
0: Yeah. Well, and, I heard, they, and, you know, um, Nagy uh, interviewed afterwards and, and said he was like one of his two players that he felt like uh, if you could, if you needed to walk away with only two players out of the draft, he was one of them.
1: He, he went a little farther than that. He said that, to his knowledge, him and Trey Brown, who we'll talk about in a little bit, were two guys that Schneider felt like he had to have. Yeah, well, that's absolutely in this right, draft. Yep. And and even though we know now that Schneider said he he did have a deal to move down from fifty six that fell through, you can see why he wanted to stay at fifty six because some of those smaller receivers that playmaker types that you can do different things with gadget players, if you will, kind of went right after us Tutu Atwell went to the Rams right after a similar type mm-hmm. player. And so what did you, know, you think about that philosophy
0: as, as far as going for that type of wide receiver, as opposed to something that, that Keith and I spent uh, a lot of time talking about on the show, which was a larger possession style, Wide receiver, similar to uh, the kid out of Eastern Washington.
2: Cooper, who, Yeah. Um, And even
1: to Marion Terry, uh, the kid from Florida State that that we signed in in undrafted. I I totally agree with you. I think it speaks to how, you know, we can have our impressions of what the team needs. And I was the same way. I looked at outside guys because I thought we had enough of those inside guys. I thought Penny Hart could be interesting. We're still waiting for John Ursua to break. Aaron Fuller is that type of player. But. It, it, it just goes to prove that we never know what they're thinking. And what this pick tells me, and specifically the type of player and how they talked openly about planning to use him, and it goes with something else that I got out of that pre-draft press conference, is that I think this is a Shane Waldron pick. I think that the way Carroll spoke about him in such reverent terms on Wednesday before the draft, in a way we've never heard him speak about a coordinator is this was a guy that Waldron felt like he needed to really diversify that offense. And right. That's what it screamed to me. Right. Well, when you listen to that thing, he
0: talked about um, the need for Shane to have three legitimate threats. And he talked about mm-hmm. uh, Gerald Ebert, uh, being being part of that mix. But obviously, they felt like they needed to add, you know, one more little element. They went up high, you know, relatively high in the draft, 56 overall, to get the guy that they really wanted as opposed to dropping back and maybe having... A few different selections, a few different position groups available later. Maybe out of yeah. a pick, it was more important to, to go after the guy that they wanted. What, do you, Keith? What did you think about um, their their next move? Like, so they 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 did that, and then there's a bunch of waiting, and now you know that they're really kind of looking at interior offensive line, cornerback, maybe a strong. Side linebacker type or edge edge guy that could could fill that role. So, what did you think about the the Trey Brown deal?
2: See, I I like the pick that in terms of going and getting a cornerback, but um, I know that they were saying that the, the that Trey Brown was one of the guys that Snyder felt that he had to have. I don't get it. I straight up don't get any obsession with Trey Brown whatsoever. Um, I don't think I would have, I don't think he would have been on my draft board just straight up. Well, um, we certainly
0: didn't talk about the prospect very much because it just didn't fit the profile that we were thinking that, uh, they would be looking at.
2: Yeah. It isn't, it isn't a guy that, that they, um, that, that they would have looked at. And I mean, just,
0: well, he's, he he's five, nine and three quarters, 190 he's, pounds. He's got he's
2: short. He's got short arms. He's got less than 30 um, inch arms and almost
0: 28 in some arms
2: and he holds on every single play yeah so he's a he's a penalty machine um the cool thing is he's got speed
0: you know he does have some speed and he's got some agility is he the prospect though that you the you wanted to pull out of the draft in that range you know there were a few other guys available
2: there's a profile better yeah i just i don't i don't get it i i I've asked on Twitter I'm like somebody explain this to me because yeah. I don't I don't get it That's I don't what, understand to, it To me. I'm like I just straight up I someone needs to define describe I, to me the philosophy for this and no one has been able to the best explanation is that the Seahawks didn't have enough guys named Trey on the roster <laughs> and there's like this <laughs> unspoken rule you have to have two um but other than that no I I I, I can't. I can't define the pick. I can't explain it. I think it was There's the Senior really Bowl.
0: Honestly, I honestly believe that it was the Senior Bowl. They've got such a good relationship with Nagy that um, they had some, you know, some guys there, obviously, and um, the fact that they they their top two picks came from that Senior Bowl, and um, and they spoke about them, you know, with Nagy before the draft. It just kind of reiterates to me this whole challenge with identifying prospects finding the the right kind of guys that you like, not only in terms of the physical attributes and all that kind of stuff, but the guys that are in it, you know, mentally and, and all that stuff. It's a real challenge when you can't meet in person and so forth. And so I think they were, I don't know. I mean, I think that they, they were listening to some folks, you know, from the senior bowl that, that gave them some, some really good insight into the players that really kind of fit, fit into what Seattle really likes as far as, the, the type of mental aspect of of the game, I think, is it maybe it turned out to be a little bit more important this yeah, year did, than, than did, other years.
2: But did they not watch tape and watch him hold on? But every maybe they play?
0: appreciate that and figure they can, they can school that a little bit, but they can't, you can't teach physicality, but you could, you can adjust that a little bit. I don't know. What yeah, do you, what do you I think, Dan?
1: Know. So, I think you just touched on it a little bit, Bill. There's a couple of things that I take away from the Trey Brown pick. And again, I didn't study the guy pre-draft because despite Carol's comments about DJ Reed changing his mindset, I thought, well, they'd still probably go for someone who met sort of their type. First of all, from a practical standpoint, most of the corners that I really did like were off the board at that point. And so if they went into this draft thinking we got to have a corner but we wanted to go Eskridge first, then the board didn't really fall their way. Keith Taylor's really the only guy that I really liked that kind of went right after Brown in that range. But here's what I think the thinking might be. First of all, I think the Seahawks have a tremendous amount of confidence at corner, maybe more so than any other position on the roster in their ability to teach. And so the handsy stuff, I think that they, they feel like that they can teach him. But I think there's a part to Brown's game that appealed to them more than his height, his length. It's I think they're looking for guys more so on that defense now than they have in a while that just love the game of football and are tenacious and have an attack mentality, and you certainly see that in the way he plays. How well he did against some of the premier receivers that he went up against and bigger receivers. You know, Pro Football Focus said he had the, the best passer rating against in the country, but especially he did really well against those guys. I think the other part of his game that I think makes a little bit of sense is when you look at the NFC West now, we don't have, I mean, A.J. Green is broken down and, and was more of a deep threat anyway, not really a big, DeAndre Hopkins is a possession receiver, but he's still, the, the NFC West used to be full of big receivers you had to match up with. It's not anymore. It's guys like Debo Samuel. It's guys like, who'd the Cardinals just take? Rondale Moore. It's guys like Christian Kirk. It's guys like, you know, even Woods and Cup aren't aren't real big go-up-and-get-it kind of guys uh, with the Rams. It's crossing routes. It's those systems. I think guys that can really run and stick to people might have a little more value now in their system, being able to match up in different ways than guys like Akilah Witherspoon or bringing a Richard Sherman back and keeping that long mentality. That's just, that's my thought. I I agree Uh, with that. I think that's why they like the player. I agree with
0: that. And, uh, you know, to a certain extent, but they, you know, they're still not a press man coverage team most of the time. And that kind of, points to a little shift there and so maybe we can talk about that like is that a complete shift in the way that they want to run their back end or is that just um this guy can do that and we're still going to run a lot of zone stuff
1: it could be it could also be an overreaction this could this could be an overreaction to how well dj Reed played and um you know i we'll see time will tell it's they needed a corner out of this draft because they don't have any sign beyond next year. Um, you know, I, I I loved listening to this kid's post-draft press conference. You can see the attributes and why they would fall in love with them. Um, Just listening to him talk gets you pumped up and fired up, and I want to see him play. Um, but this, the prospect of two corners, that like if he were to be as good as they say he is and, and end up starting opposite DJ Reed, that's a little weird. I see him more as a guy that maybe can play matchup in certain packages. I think that
0: makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting I mean, because he's got the, the attributes that the Seahawks love, the agility, the aggressiveness, the movement, the stop and go ability, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the things that kind of go against him, the handsy, the overly aggressive, they also love
1: you know, they, they like yeah, Shaq was similar to that, yeah, you know, right. he was always a flag waiting to be thrown too. and um, until they get the hang of it. I think that he could, know. I think, you know, guys,
0: guys can adjust, you know, especially if he's, if he's mentally in, in the game, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens.
1: I, I just, you know, I, I will say this a lot of times when they take these guys that don't make a lot of sense, there's, there's a lot of names, 10, 15 spots behind them that, that Kind of add into a, making me upset with the pick, and I I don't know that there's a lot of opportunity cost here at that point in the draft. That there's any guys that they just absolutely swung and missed on. We'll see it's, how that it's works a tough out. Draft to, to read. because it I really love is. what they did after that in the draft. Yeah, I absolutely love.
2: Yeah, the, the their final pick. Uh, as much as I am just really annoyed at the Trey Brown pick because I like I said to me just his tape, just watching him hold on every play. They're like, yeah, he was the highest rated, whatever. Yeah, but every single one of those plays is a foul in you know, at the NFL on, level. I think it's not. A, I
0: think that's it, too harsh.
2: It, it's not a. It, it's go I, it, and watch. No, him, I did. I watched. He, I watched some videos. He holds. He's I grabby. Like it. He's he's not just. I like it. it's not actually. physical. It's it's a penalty on everyone.
0: <laughs> so it's I'm not just, because he thinks he can get beat. He's got four four two speed. It's, it's that I it's, I think he needs to be coached up a little bit. And I I think, I think he that he doesn't
2: anticipate routes as well as he thinks he should. I mean, and you so could certainly, he, you
0: could certainly say that. And that would, co- of course, be the, more difficult for him in a in zone scheme if he's, you know, but, you know, on the other hand, you know, I've seen reports that say he, he does know how to diagnose pretty well and he's, he's, he's quick uh, minded and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So. It'll be interesting, but but the kid is legit. I think you know. I didn't study him very much, but now that I have a little bit, you know, the guy didn't allow a, a pass over thirty nine yards the past two seasons. You know, he faced great competition, with guys like Tylen Wallace and and uh, some other guys out of the SEC and so forth. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, you just never know at, at the at the fourth round. You know, at that level, guys mm-hmm. either. Come in and make it, or they they spend three years or four years on special teams and they're and they're they're gone. So we'll, we'll see. I
1: also feel like the Seahawks feel really, really good as we sit here today in their pass rush, and they're confident that teams aren't going to have a lot of time to throw. And maybe a guy like this that's really aggressive at the top of routes is is kind of what they were looking for. Thinking we need we need guys that can make plays. We don't necessarily need to find that type of outside corner that can mirror a guy for four seconds. Okay, Mr.
0: Offensive Line, Keith
1: Myers. Why don't
0: you announce this third, third uh, pick? The third
2: pick. Okay, yeah. so um, as much as I really didn't get the Trey Brown pick, for them to recognize that uh, Stone Forsyth, the offensive tackle out of Florida, dropped way further than he should have, know that he was worth whatever they needed to give up to go up and get him in the sixth round. From the, They move up from 250. Um, to get him and you know going up they didn't go that far so it didn't cost them that much
0: well they traded Um, down on the third day and you know early and then they gave up two the two picks that they had 217 and 250 overall to get to 206
2: yeah yeah and so um going up and 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 getting a guy um there is so much to like i mean just straight up the guy is 6'8". He's super long. He mirrors extremely well. His Seahawks measured is, him
0: at almost 6'9", too, by the way.
2: His his footwork is great. One of the things that I really, really liked is that he wasn't sloppy in in his technique. You look at his kickstep um, get speed rushers, and he was committed to it, and he was committed to the technique and the fundamental yeah. of it. And that was why he was such a great um, pass blocker. I mean, I think he is one of the... Other than, you know, the guys in the top of the first round, um, he's one of the best pass blockers you're going to find in this year's draft. And um, I, I can't believe he's available that well, low. Well,
0: Zerline had him as the 11th overall lineman, center guard tackles in in the draft, yeah, even ahead of find, Walker Little,
1: who I – it go ahead. It was hard to find any rankings list that had him less, you know, lower than the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, yep. it was pretty there was a consensus well, out in there my in, in
0: my mock i kind of worked out a scenario where i traded back a couple times and i drafted walker little with my first pick in this in the second mm-hmm. round there and and my idea was yeah i know you know we wanted a center or we wanted an interior lineman a, a guard you know in the draft but if you look at it brown you know he's got one year left and who knows if he's going to re-up again you know you, you this would be the year that you want to hedge however we gave up our first round draft pick this year. We don't have a first round draft pick next year. You're going to have to guy, get a guy that's going to be a little bit of a project. Maybe stick him in there if you can, you know, uh, at guard this year or or right tackle, and then transition him to, to left tackle next year. Um, so I thought Walker Little would fit that profile. Well, they found a, a guy that's that's equally um, thought of in in the yeah. in the football community uh, to come in and be able to kind of do that and so talk to me a little bit about the prospect itself and how you think he fits in does he fit in Is it more of a right tackle guy that's going to take over for shell maybe this year or next or is it more of a left tackle kind of a guy
2: i see him as a left tackle he's a blindside uh, protector waiting to happen what he isn't is a great run blocker um he just he's so tall he has a hard time getting getting his uh his pads low enough to really get leverage and really move people, you know, five yards downfield. Um, and that you, so you tend to play, put players like that, um, on the quarterback's blind side and, and expect the runs, you know, and you want a more powerful, um, guy on the right side. And so um, to me, he's a, he's a left tackle. Um, he's a guy that has the ceiling to be Dwayne Brown's eventual replacement in a year or two. Um, that's where his ceiling is his floor is also kind of low just he he needs to increase some of his his functional strength a little bit and also um you know just he's he's got work to do as far as you know some of those things, especially as a run blocker he's he's so he just struggles to get his pads low enough because he's so tall but but at
0: uh, this level in the draft
2: but yes, yeah. in the sixth round you get a guy that can protect Russell Wilson's blind side. In the passing game, and especially because you look at what they did, you know they went. Gabe Jackson is a is a is a pass rushing or sorry a pass blocking guard, and now they go get a a a tackle who is great in pass protection. Um, They are looking at um, at trying to protect Wilson. Clearly, it's a it's a a thing that they care about. Suddenly, so I I know
0: a guy that you. You know, respect um, as far as a, an opinion and, and scouting and, and profiling and so forth. Tony Pauline believes mm-hmm. that he projects to the to the right side, um, just because he lacks the footwork off off the edge, and he struggles Ooh. to adjust and pick up blitzes and and he gets kind of exploited by speed rushers and so forth. So, are there any concerns about that 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 you see, um, or or do you believe that? Um, those things can be worked out.
2: I think, I mean, he's got quick enough feet. He, there are a few places where he, there's an extra step and that kind of stuff. But I think it overall his his, his footwork is decent. I mean, I he only he,
0: allowed two sacks and like over 250 snaps or something like that in yeah. 2020.
2: And I think that he, um, I think he's a guy that I think I would project on the left. I know that, um, Pauline projects that him on him to be the right, but, I don't think he's the run blocker that you want over there because if you look at in Seattle's system where they do a lot of inside zone um, where they run to the right um, and you want your right tackle, right guard combination to be able to get push to give your running back somewhere to go. Um, and so I don't think I would put him there in Seattle's system. I'd leave him on the left side.
0: Dan, do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, all the analysis I read, and I was really, really late on Stone Forsythe, really kind of just uncovered him the last week of the draft and actually worked him into some mocks and usually kind of in that fourth round area or after I'd moved down from there a little bit. Um, You know, every analyst, uh, you know, analysis that I can get my hands on, multiple of them said... As a pass blocker, he can start day one. Like he's mm-hmm. good enough to start in the NFL from day one, and that's a really encouraging thing. The other thing I would say, and I'm surprised that Pauline said that, although I think Tony has a very, very high standard well, for what he sees in f- a left tackle. To be typically,
0: he f- to be fair, right. I, that was written in like January too. I mean, okay. I know it was early and based just probably off some tape, but didn't uh, take into account any any offseason work any senior bull type yeah. stuff, et cetera.
1: I think Tony's great. I think he's a little too quick to sometimes, I agree. sometimes to say this guy's a guard or mm-hmm. that guy goes to the right side. But, but then you see the tape and, and like he said, the first thing that jumped out at me, he's a former basketball player and you could see it like his slide step.
0: Like it's going to take two I'm, and a half seconds to get around the guy. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I always, right. I always, cl- <laughs> you know, kind of clinch up and hesitate to watch rookie offensive line tape on the edge because I just, I still am traumatized by Jermaine Fetty tape with the, <laughs> the, like the dancing bear backpedal thing that he would do. And, and um, he was so terrible. It he was, was so, so weird. And, so bizarre. Bad. and I, I can't believe he started <laughs> he was, for four years. He was
2: so <laughs> bad, <laughs>
1: but, but Forsyth oh. is so clean and smooth. And the, and the last point I'll make is that, well, uh, two, two last points. One, they left him on an Island in Florida. They never gave him help. He didn't get tight end help. He didn't get
2: running you know, Jumbo, back help. He didn't nothing. get anything. He
1: was, and they threw it seventy percent of the time. So of course he wasn't a very good run blocker, despite you know the physical reasons, because they never really worked on it with him, and they, it wasn't really part of their game. They left him there by himself against really good. A lot of guys just got drafted out of that conference, and over the last couple of Absolutely. years are in the NFL that are that are that are terrorizing quarterbacks. Um, and he held his own against those guys. The last thing I'll say is this, and the Seahawks always seem to do this. There's always some area of the draft, some chunk where you could say, okay, what if you flip these two around? Stone Forsyth was supposed to go in the third, third or fourth round. If the Seahawks had taken him with their fourth round pick and Trey Brown in the sixth, I, I don't think anyone. Would you even have a problem with that, Keith, if Trey Brown was their sixth round pick? Maybe,
2: like I said, I don't think he would have been on. I don't think he would have been on my draft. I, I don't think he would have been on my draft board. Um, but if he was a sixth round pick, I don't think I'd care because it's a sixth round pick, and it's like you yeah. take flyers on guys. And you, you know what? He's got the speed. He's got a great attitude. He's coachable. You know, um, all of that. Go for it. Um, right. But
0: well, what kind of an impact I do
1: you, thought you I guys could sell you on that
2: one? <laughs> no, well, I mean, okay. So we, uh, Bill brought up uh, Pauline. Pauline had him as the two hundred and tenth best player in the draft. Yeah. Right? He had him He had him as a sixth to seventh round pick.
0: So you're saying he was pegged.
2: He got it. Trey Brown? Oh, I thought no. you were talking
0: about Forsyth. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, was about, yeah. Forsyth, Forsyth oh, okay.
2: was number 93. He oh, okay. was a top oh, wow. 100 player, according to Pauline. Oh, yeah. um, he was 210, according, or Trey Brown was 210. Um, yeah. yeah I, right,
1: I, right. I do wonder about this. And, and I actually got some information yesterday from a, a source I trust who has a connection. And um, the Seahawks apparently, and I believe this to be true, only had about 30 guys on their draft board. And, and I think, and Schneider's talked real openly about how they went to, to work right after the draft. They determined with all the challenges this year evaluating players and all the hurdles that they'd have to get over, you don't get to see guys in person, you don't, all that stuff, that, that they, Decided to trade picks for veterans. I think they were really, I think they put a lot of value this year, and ultimately maybe we'll find out too much on the type of guy Mm -hmm. that a player was because they just didn't want to risk with such limited draft capital and not a chance to get to know them, they just didn't want to risk drafting any guys that were going to be an issue. And all these guys they took, you can you can make questions about their games but they all have that dog mentality and they're guys that love football and they're guys that aren't going to give you any problems in the locker room. Well, with yeah, the- I mean,
2: I'm not going to, I'm not going to question any of these picks in terms of that, like as far yeah. as character work ethic, um, all that kind of stuff, all three of these guys are, they are guys you want on your team. Yeah. Uh, and with Eskridge, I think there's a lot to like uh, there. He just wasn't a guy I, I was looking at, but, I mean I can see it. It makes sense. I mean how, how much shorter is he than um you know, Lockett? The answer is like a half an inch. So I don't yeah. you know what I mean? And and it's not like it's it's slowed Lockett it down or anything. So no. I can whine about the pick all I want, but the truth is the kid can play yeah. he's awesome. Well once he get uh, on the field it's you, you know it. Don't don't with, with Forsythe, Like seriously, I I could have I would have been okay if the six had taken him in fourth. No. I would have been okay if they were at the fourth and they realized, wow, we need to go up into the bottom of the third to get him because he had dropped that far. And for him to then to get him in the sixth is like insane to me. Um, but I, I i am still just struggling to make sense of the Trey Brown pick. I just don't, I think we'll, I don't we'll find see out what they like in him. I just don't see what they like in him. I other think other we're going to
0: find out though. I mean,
2: other than like his personality, his leadership his all those intangible kind of things. Um, I get that. But his tape, I see a guy that holds on every play. It's just it it's he's he's the Jermaine Fetti of um of cornerbacks. He just holds every play. <laughs> so
0: uh getting back to Dan's point on um you know why they made the selections, what they were looking for, what they settled on and so forth. I think it goes back to to the NCAAs um offer for seniors to um, have another year of eligibility for juniors to have another year of eligibility there was over a thousand uh juniors and seniors that um that went back to college uh some of those not all of them but some of those would have been eligible you know so that made the back end of the sixth and the seventh round those those values were kind of skewed this year as far as guys that maybe a lot of the times would have been undrafted priority guys um that, that were now going to be draftable and so it's you know it's hard nonetheless I think we came away with with what we could come away with you know I I, would I have liked to have seen an extra pick or two thrown in there yeah sure but for sure but at the same time I think they did get the guys they wanted and that's the most important thing to come away with a draft
1: I think over time this draft ultimately I'm going to be looking at a couple of things that I'll judge it on let's say two years from now is how how good of a player, how productive of a player does Eskridge become compared to the centers that were taken right behind him versus what kind of production they get out of Posik and whoever the other centers are over the next two years. That's, that's one thing I'm going to be looking at. Creed Humphrey goes on to be an all-pro, and Dwayne Eskridge is a third-wide receiver that comes up with a play or two here and there. That's a loss, right? Um, but the other one will be the decision to go receiver in the second instead of corner because that's where they lost out between the second and the fourth pick is where all those corners that we liked, that, that we really felt mm-hmm. like would have matched, they all went there except for Taylor. Um, and Taylor technically didn't meet, you know, the Seahawks' specs, but but he was such a good cover. He was the best cover guy at the Senior Bowl. Um, so over time also, if a couple of those corners become stars and we continue to struggle – developing young guys over the next couple of years and have trouble at that position. There's not, this isn't a slam dunk draft by any means. They're all interesting players, but there's certainly going to be questions. Yeah. Well, when you say all there's three of them, I mean, that's the
0: tough part. I think this is, you know, we came away with uh, 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 at least eight picks under John Schneider's regime until this this year. this was the lowest amount of picks that the Seahawks have ever had as well as a league low for, you know, a number of years, I think clear back to the new Orleans uh shipped their entire draft, you know, for their running back for Ricky, it, for Ricky, Ricky Williams. Williams. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, kudos to Schneider for, you know, he'd said out loud after the first night that um like a lot of GMs around the league, he felt like those 2022 picks were gold because that draft is going to be so deep mm, with yes, all those, absolutely. those guys with the S yeah. And, and I think in an I, I bet you it was hard for him to do that, that there were temptations along the way for him to trade yeah. 2022 20, picks to get some extra capital this year. I'm glad he didn't because how weird is it that, that if you look ahead to next year's draft board, even without a first round pick, we have all the rest of our picks and an extra fourth. I mean, that seems like a bounty. Well, it is except it for the first. A we don't have the compared first. to what we just right. Right. we just right. took, except for the first round pick. Yeah, right. even without one. All right,
0: so we only had a chance to talk about three picks out of the regular draft. Let's talk about some undrafted free agents that we like um, and, and why. I think the first guy that that comes to mind um, in the undrafted market that we were able to capitalize on is Tamorian Taylor, mm-hmm. a wide receiver out well, of FSU. Now he's got all the talent. I mean, when you look at his tape, he looks like a first back of first, second round kind of a guy, right? And then you figure out his entire backstory and what's going on and stuff. I think a lot of that is a little overblown as far as being his complete responsibility. It's just one of those things that happened with injury, timing. He did, I think, you know based on all, but those things, I think there was some frustration in him that kind of came out uh, to his, to his position coach. Uh, and kind of a, a yelling match on the sideline and stuff. But again, you can take a look at that and say, yeah, there's some frustration there. It's also a passionate player that that really believes, you know, in in something. And and you can kind of mold that a little bit. Depending on his maturity level, you get him in, you kind of coach that up a little bit, and you take advantage of the physical attributes that he's got and see, see if you have anything there. What are your thoughts on this, Dan?
1: Uh, he looks like a Rams receiver to me when I, when I see him on tape, you know, he, he's, he's had some issues with drops, but he's six three and he, and he runs so well after the catch. Oh my God. Right? And that yeah, seems, that's, that that's seems when to he's be a theme. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think, and we're going to talk about another receiver here too, in a minute, but it's, it's, um, Something that the Seahawks haven't done in a while. I think it was a, it was something that we all felt like was a real downfall of Schottenheimer's scheme. Bevel didn't really get into it either, where he he puts receivers in a position to absolutely to get the ball and, and have some yards after catch opportunities. That's what that Ram's passing game is all about. And when I see Terry, I see uh, w- and what he does with the ball after he catches it, a slightly taller Robert Woods. He's so fluid. And and really dyna- dynamic with the ball in his hands, um, mm. he's got a real shot. I we could see a complete overhaul of this wide receiver crew. I think Freddie Swain's probably safe,
0: but everyone else, yeah,
1: yeah, everyone's going to have to earn a spot behind DK and and Tyler for sure. But sometimes they keep six receivers, and we might have three rookies in that room.
2: Wow, that would be interesting. So, I three yeah. Ro- yeah, I mean, three rookies, three rookies out of six. Um, Out of six guys. Yeah,
1: you know, I I texted. what I base that on is if they liked Penny Hart, if they liked Darren Fuller, if they liked any of those other guys that they have um, that we thought maybe could make a contribution, especially given the new scheme, I don't think they go receiver in the second. And I don't think they sign these high-end guys because Mm -hmm. Cade Johnson's another one.
0: I think they were looking for a clear upgrade, you know, and there's an opportunity there. You know, when you take a look at the Shane Waldron situation, uh, he had like – four or five guys that that caught more than 40 passes in that offense yeah. you know and um we needed a little bit of an upgrade there to get to that at least the ability to make that happen in the way that waldron envisions his offense being the most successful and he's got russell wilson right so the the difference is you're going from a guy that has a difficult time throwing past 20 yards to a guy that can stretch the field. So when, some of the things that came out of that press conference too uh, with Pete Carroll was the fact that he's really excited about the way that they're blending the offense. They're taking, you know, the, just like they did with Schottenheimer, you know, from Bevel. Uh, they're going to take some of what they what works and they're going to blend it in with Shane's stuff and um, and it's going to be kind of a hybrid thing. But But one of those things is, You know, they're still going to keep that long passing game, the stretching the field, the taking the shots, the explosive plays are still going to be extremely important in this offense. In addition to stretching the defense wide, I think this thing has a chance to be pretty special. And you get a guy like uh, Tamarian Taylor, who's got all the physical skills um, that you would love to see in a a prospect in the open space field space it goes along with Scridge. and then again you you mentioned another receiver the guy uh, another guy that they brought in out of north dakota state uh Kay johnson um a guy with with not as much speed but a guy that's dynamic knows how to run routes um with his size that's not terribly large he's still a guy that nice knows how to guy. use his um his 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 body, his speed, his his cuts and so forth to, to get open and create opportunities. Um I just I to me when I watched this and I ended up watching like forty five minutes of, of tape on this guy because I couldn't stop. He just he just was like one big play away from another highlight. I mean so I was pleased that at least he's getting a shot and we're giving him the shot. He may not make it, obviously. The mental aspect of this game is huge. And and from all accounts, that's where he needs the most work. However, when you really take a look at the backstory and so forth, I think some of that is not necessarily should be attributed directly to him. I think there are circumstances around his situation there that made things mm-hmm. difficult. And and a lot of it had to do with the with the knee injury that he had. The timing of that, the, the the opting out of the last couple of games of the season, the, the issues with the coaching staff and all that stuff—it's it's hard to judge that from a distance.
1: Well, and he's a classic case too of of you know the quarterback play at Florida State the last couple of years hasn't been <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, being, so,
2: that's being nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's, in 2019,
0: uh, in ha- he had 60 catches on 103 targets for yeah. almost 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns, and averaged almost 20 yards, uh, reception on those, um, on those. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, the guy's legit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to be interesting. Um, uh, we can talk about Kade Johnson. Um, what do you think about Kade Johnson? You know, he had kind of a draftable grade. Everyone kind of assumed that he would go anywhere between the eh, fourth, maybe fifth to the seventh round. I think his pro day, um, 40, hurt him in particular as well as some lack of explosive traits especially at his size great
1: vertical right
0: he just it was average everything was average he ran a four five one i think 40 something like that um what are your thoughts on k johnson keith as far as a prospect that you think might be able to come in and carve out a spot or do you think he's he's a practice squad guy
2: i I think he's going to end up on the practice squad this year and, and and they give him a chance to develop i think um he's a guy that, um, yeah, I mean, it depends. He'll have to come out and, and really show that he is a better player. He was the first team all
0: American in 2019,
2: you know, uh, that that's his production. That's not his talent. He was
0: very productive though.
2: But that's the thing. There's a difference between production and talent. Cause it comes, you know, there's lots of different factors, um, that bring someone's production up and down. Um, I mean, John Urs was like the most productive wide receiver in in college <laughs> football history, and he's struggled to make the um, the roster and stay there. Um, and so, the fact that his his lack of feel, physical traits gives me pause and thinking, like, okay, he may struggle. But at the same time, you know, physical traits aren't everything. Um, it's a it's a and, tough
0: deal because a guy that's in at North Dakota State can lack a few physical attributes, including the top-end speed, and still be very successful in that division. And when mm-hmm. you get to the NFL, it's a completely different game.
2: Yep. And so so we'll see. Um, the thing is, does he have short area quickness to get open, like the Wes Welker kind? No, probably not. Um, but that's kind of where I would expect him to, if he's going to carve out a niche, that's where I'm expecting him to go. So we'll see. hmm
1: it's funny that you mentioned Wilkern and doesn't and, and don't think that he looks like him because when when that's kind of that's one of the names that came to mind when I watched his um, when you watch his Senior Bowl one-on-one tape, he's just spinning guys around. Right the, the whole week. It it was a lot of fun to watch and he really made a name for himself that week. I think you touched on something. I, I think he's the perfect practice squad guy because I, I do think there's some some potential there to be a productive player. Um, but because he doesn't have those elite traits, he he's probably a guy that gets through waivers, you know, on the final cut down and, and gets down there. But just I like how they're stacking up these young, interesting receivers that can that can fit into this offense. And they're also, you know, let's keep in mind we just gave Tyler Lockett a huge contract. DK Metcalf's gonna get paid next year. You wanna keep the rest of that receiver room pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You don't wanna be chasing those those Jaron Brown types, those three million dollar Kind of journeyman veterans to fill out your wide receiver room, so I like that they're kind of stacking that spot and 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 getting some competition there.
2: Yeah, and that that's a fantastic point. And and the thing is, like, you're right. I, I didn't even think about the the um, Super Bowl, the um, <laughs> uh, the Senior Bowl, where he was, he in was the Super Bowl. No, in the <laughs> Senior Bowl when he was uh, when he was turned, he was. And yeah. you know who didn't have fantastic physical uh, attributes. Was Doug Baldwin, Mm -hmm. but you know what Doug Baldwin had? He was the probably the best in the NFL at beating the press and getting open, right at the line of scrimmage.
1: His body Um, control.
2: Oh my god, he was freaking amazing. Um, Just watching him try, watching him against press coverage was like it was football porn. I mean, he was just so good at what he did. Um, But he wasn't, you know, go go look at his his combine numbers and that kind of stuff. Nothing jumps off the table as being great. Yep. Um, but he was a fantastic player. Um, and so if he's turning guys around, if he's making guys struggle um, to figure out what he's doing and when he's doing it, you know, sometimes physical traits aren't everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, Steve Largent did not have great physical traits. People talked about, he was too slow. I mean, it was a sixth round pick. He was too slow and all of this other stuff. And he's one of the best wide receivers of all time um and so i you know give the guy give the guy a chance i i i there is a lot to like and you're right he was very productive very productive
0: yeah i think uh um largent had what a hundred touchdowns in in his career here and uh doug baldwin doug baldwin Mm -hmm. had like what you know almost the same amount not quite the same amount of time but uh about 40 47 touchdowns or something like that was still quite uh productive uh, but man, Largent's going to be hard to touch. He's still at the top there uh, in the franchise and we're close to the I top in the in the league. So
2: the, right now, watching Metcalf, um, Largent's going to see some records in Seattle fall. We, we've been waiting a while for that to say maybe, that out loud. Maybe not the, the consecutive <laughs> catches or consecutive games of the catch or, or that kind of that stuff. Two hundred
0: eight or something like that. Because that was crazy insane amount,
2: right? uh, for Largent, <laughs> but. Touchdowns and yards and receptions.
1: Well, and what's going to be fun it's, is Lockett's going to break a bunch of those first, and then Metcalf's, <laughs> Metcalf's going to be right, right behind him. Yep.
0: Yeah, well, when they give Lockett that that contract, you know he's going to be around for a while in order to be able to, yeah. to at least get in the conversation. So, Dan, let me ask you this: Are there um, a couple of other players that you really like, undrafted guys that Seattle brought in, and if so, why?
1: So. The rest of the list is kind of uninspiring. I was looking at some top-end guys. I really thought they'd take a shot at Marvin Wilson or Darius Stills, try to get another interior defensive lineman that was interesting. Uh, Wilson ended up signing, I think, the biggest contract of all the undrafted guys to go to Cleveland, so there was quite a competition there for his services. Um there were a couple of corners I'd, I'd hoped that they would sign. They did sign Brian Mills, who's really struggled with some techni- technique Keith, issues. Keith
0: mentioned him last week's uh, mock draft. He thought that might be the the corner I had in my mock for my last pick.
1: He's, he fits more of the bigger specs, and, yeah. and he'll be a really interesting developmental guy. There are a couple of interesting offensive linemen they added, so they, they still just added a bunch of competition to that group. I thought it was inter- t- an interesting of offensive
0: line um, group that they brought in because when you look at the the physical attributes and what they're kind of schemed towards, it looked more like what we've been used to in the past within the power zone uh, schemes and so forth.
1: Yeah, like Jared Hawker. I mean, he had a draftable grade from a lot of people. He was kind of rated as a six rounder and didn't get picked, but he's more of a doesn't really seem to fit the outside zone. Um, big strong guy that maybe would be more in a in a power scheme. And they, he also favorite. took
0: some reps too at center. Um, I saw an interview with him where he said he's been working on the ability to play center as well, so he could be in the mix. You know, for the, for that. Well,
1: that's not my that's not my favorite center guy. Okay, oh I know, I'm,
0: and he's got the greatest I'm, name too. So I'm going to interested to see how you pronounce this.
1: Pierre Olivier Lestage. Oh yes.
0: The greatest wow. name in football, it, right there. I hope
1: that's how it's pronounced <laughs> it because is it just sounds. That
2: actually, is awesome. I, I'm pretty sure that is how it's pronounced. That that <laughs> is stage. very that is
1: very well done. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like um, well, I, I am.
1: You know, Viennes is French, so well, there you go.
0: <laughs> so what? What? Uh, so this guy is interesting because I agree yeah, with he you. Is. He's he's kind of one of those guys that's completely under the radar. Like nobody's prospected this guy at all. Right. But yeah, if, I, could,
2: I could not find him yeah.
1: on a prospect list. <laughs> well, I had um, to go to
0: the, like the Montreal Times to even read about the guy, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> he was invited to the Shrine Bowl, but they didn't play the Shrine Bowl. So it was just all virtual and they got, had some meetings and talked about some scheme stuff or whatever. Uh, tapes hard to find on him, but there was this one kind of blurry, almost looked like someone shot it on an old Super 8 from the end zone <laughs> where he was playing guard and he was just killing guys. I mean, he was 20 yards downfield looking for someone else to hit. Um mm-hmm. 6'3", 312 whatever he is, he's big, he can really run, he can really move. Um he's a beast and he's got that mentality and the thing is that he's been training uh for the last year to mm-hmm. play center with an e on it, by the way. Uh <laughs> when you when you read the article yeah. about him. Since, since he's been training to play <laughs> center uh, and and he's been training just not knowing where he's going he's been training to snap with both hands yeah which i find yeah. interesting he's been
0: training with paul alexander the cincinnati bengals yeah. offensive line coach from 94 One to of the 2017 great
1: offensive line coaches out there um and he was a guy from from my understanding that from what i've been able to get my hands on that he was he was in demand there were a lot of teams looking at him yeah. well he and he himself said uh but the Seahawks were the most aggressive, and he thought there was yeah, an he opportunity. Had, he there. had
0: multiple offers on the table. There were ten teams yeah. involved. Yeah and, yeah, and he said it, it came down to the overall vibe that he had with the Seahawks, and he felt like yeah. he'd have a good opportunity to go to Seattle and compete right away.
1: And he was one of the first names announced, so they were, you know, they were on him.
2: Yeah, yep, yeah. It's interesting I'm, when.
1: Oh, sorry, it's interesting say, when I'm, you...
2: I'm very interested to see him get on the field in, in camp at practice, yeah. so they can see a little better of what they've got. But the fact that a lot of guys or a lot of teams were after him, um, even though, you know, playing in Canada and all of that, there are teams that really, um, like what he can do. And, and we'll see, like I said, right now it's hard to find any information on him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's got a great work ethic. Cause his, his college coach came up and, you know, and spoke highly of him, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and he's confident himself. And he has to
1: account for twelve men when he's blocking up that's, there. That's so, funny.
0: Yeah. You know, it's going to be easier <laughs> for him down here. So, uh Keith, they they um also signed a couple of um a couple of running backs, and I'm just kind of curious if you uh, made note of those guys, the BJ Edmonds, um, and Josh Johnson, and Josh Johnson. I I watched some Josh Johnson film, and the guy looks like Chris Carson in a in a
1: sense, slightly shorter, but it's kind of just. His twenty nineteen tape is really he yeah. had a really great year in twenty nineteen. And, and the yeah, NFL um, Comptium was uh, D- I thought DJ he was Dallas, draftable. which
0: is weird. Uh, Josh that Johnson, weird. you thought?
2: Yeah. I, I thought Josh Johnson was 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 draftable. Um and he didn't get drafted, so we'll see. Um but yeah, I mean he's a guy that that I thought could um, could be drafted by a team in the sixth or seventh round, come in, earn a spot. Um, he's going to have a hard time earning a spot in Seattle because the running back room, uh, mm. you know, the top yeah. two spots are, 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 full. And so now he's competing with DJ Dallas and Homer and, and um, who's the other guy, Bill? Alice Collins. Collins, Collins, Collins there, there we go. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, it, it, trying to get, trying to find a spot. So it's going to be, it's going to be a hard room to crack uh, there for them. But I, I felt he was, I felt he, this was a draftable player that, um, I have don't know why he fell th- fell through the cracks.
0: So, um, speaking of uh, the running back room, just a just a passing thought. Um, the team didn't, to anybody's surprise, did not extend Rashad Penny for his fifth year option. That would have paid yep. him, you know, mm-hmm. n- unreasonable amount of money for the production that he's put on the field. Um, so. I, I like it. I mean, Josh Johnson is, is a great pick. It totally fits what Seattle's trying to do as far as being able to run through the tackles and so forth. But I'm not sure about the stretch zone stuff. Um, and then the other guy, I don't really know too much about. I'll be completely honest the Emmons pick. Um, but again, he's one of those guys that's six foot, 220 pounds. It doesn't seem like he would be the type that would run around the end, or we would probably know about him if he could, <laughs> you know, at that yeah. size. Um, anybody else that's, that stands out? I know that you mentioned defensive tackle. They did uh, pick one up um, in the Jared Hew, uh, Hugh Hewitt or Hewitt um, defensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Six two two ninety runs a five o two forty. He's more of a three tech kind of an option for them. Um, not a run stuffer, but but a guy that's going to be able to penetrate the pocket a little bit. So. Yeah.
1: You know, it'll be interesting to uh, to look at. I haven't looked into him at all, but I find it interesting, the Army kid that they signed, uh, John Radigan, because they didn't draft a linebacker, mm-hmm. and he's the only linebacker they signed, and there's only five on the roster right now. So, um, although I think that'll change pretty soon. But um, that's interesting to me. And then Connor Weddington, I, I find a hard time kind of seeing how he might have a path to the roster. The kid out of Stanford from Sumner, um, you know, he's six foot, he's a six foot possession receiver, uh, great hands, as you would expect a guy out of Stanford, um, made some like incredible behind, you know, behind him and, and poorly thrown balls. He, he would catch, but he's, he's six foot even doesn't. What about have his return ability? I think, yeah, but he does, doesn't he's like a four, f- I th-
0: four, five, five, is he? What something like that?
1: I think this is a kid, but they gave him like a $20,000 signing bonus, which is, pretty big mm-hmm. for undrafted free it's agency it's huge
2: for an undrafted
1: cuz yeah. they're limit
2: they're limited each year you're you're only given um i think this year it was 60 grand that you could give out to players um yeah. and they gave a third of their um allotment uh, in terms of signing bonuses to one guy
1: and i have a hunch you, we know how they love special teams guys they lost some guys off their roster this year uh, that were great on, on, on the kick teams. And, and I have to think that maybe that's it, the primary reason they brought him in and gave him that kind of money. But yet again, just another, another guy in that receiver room.
0: So um, before we, I'm going to touch base a little bit on the NFC West, but before we do that, is there anything that stands out on the roster right now, the way that's it's constructed where you still see legit holes or is everything lining up pretty well after the draft where I
2: still think they need a cornerback.
0: What do you think that they think?
1: What are the- I, here's, here's my thought on corner. And and I think the reason that uh, I actually thought leading up to the draft, we might not see them draft one. Again, limited uh, uh, mini camps this year, everything virtual, uh, limited ability to get your hands on players. I think the reason they brought Pierre Desir back, they brought Akilah Witherspoon back. Uh, or over from the Niners, and they brought Demarius Randall back. These are all guys who know the step kick, who know the technique, who know the scheme, and the learning curve's not going to be very high. Um, and they're going to have a good front end. Yeah, and they haven't had very good luck with bringing veterans in from other systems either, so... I don't know if we're going to talk about adding a corner, then the Richard Sherman discussion has to be talked about. I have some feelings on that. I think right now the the biggest hole on the roster is there's only those five linebackers. And and I think it's only a matter of time before KJ comes back. That seems likely. That that. seems more likely than Richard Sherman.
2: The other KJ KJ coming back, because he's not going to sit out there for too long no um, Unsigned, he'll eventually come in and and take. Okay, so what does his
0: contract look like on a on a one year deal, and if if they do a two year type
1: thing,
2: it'll be one year, two
0: and a half. Oh, I was going so to say three. top. that's
1: so painful for him. It's crazy, yeah. but that's the market. And, and I think you know Wednesday, watching that that press conference you referenced, you know Schneider's comments about him, mm-hmm. it basically sounded to me like if you could it, interpret him, he basically said. We, we didn't plan on bringing him back because we thought someone would pay him. Yes, that's and exactly then,
0: right. We thought we'd he'd be signed by now, quote-unquote. Yeah.
1: yeah, and even Carol's comments were, well, I've checked in with him, and you know we know where we're at, and we, we know where he's at, and he knows where we're at. <laughs> and then the Cowboys, maybe one of the only other teams that were really interested in him, go and sign two or draft two rangy, long, big outside linebackers, so they're out of it. I. So you think no Seattle would in.
0: bring him back on just a face-saving move? For KJ Wright, just from the loyalty standpoint,
1: I th- I think he's coming off a, a great year after the position switch, and, mm-hmm. and I think they would see him as being a productive player. Yeah.
2: The other player that um, fits into this mix, once he can pass the physical, is Bruce Irvin, and he probably won't sign until um, Trank, yeah. early. I uh, say yeah, early August. But
1: God, that's a good point. He sent out that cryptic tweet a couple months ago. I kind of felt like he was going to step away, but. Man, that'd be interesting.
0: So you mentioned yeah. the cornerbacks, Keith and um let me just run these I mean, thir- th- Go ahead.
2: I would say p- getting getting Pierre Desaire Pierre Desir in, he knows the system. I mean, he had a great year after leaving Seattle and his play has fallen off the last couple years. He hasn't yeah, been as for good. Sure. Um but that first year when he left, he was I mean, he was clearly the best defensive back on that Colts roster. Um got a big contract and then his play has fallen off, but I think he gives them he gave them uh, Yeah, that, that was a draft hedge. They didn't have to go get a starter um, because yeah. they knew they've got with him and Witherspoon and Reed um, and flowers. They think they could get it done. And then they add in yeah. um, their draft pick. I I just don't see all of those guys being there on the roster uh, when that, when it's all said and done, someone else is going to have to come along. It can be Richard Sherman. I don't think it will be. Um, I, I just I, I don't see that happening um but it could be you know uh other guys that gets get cut someone that they bring in um last second but i don't see that group since that's the only thing in that group that's the only thing in that room uh you're expecting all five of those guys to pan out and i just yeah. don't i don't see all of them doing so so i think they're gonna get one more
1: i'll tell you another thing that i think we're still gonna see even maybe irregardless of what ultimately happens with Alden Smith's situation, is Pete said Wednesday in that pre-draft presser that he really likes where their pass rush is, but we're not done adding there yet. And then they didn't add anything in the draft or an undrafted mm-hmm. free agency. There's still a couple interesting veterans out there, guys like Melvin Ingram and Ryan Kerrigan and Justin Houston. Do you think
0: they wait for the Alden Smith thing to wash out?
1: I, I think they do, and I think they can. I would think that we'd hear something soon you know if there's video evidence and smith says he never touched the guy i would think as soon as that's kind of figured out or somebody you know at, at a certain level in law enforcement sees that if that's true or the other way and it, it proves the the suspected victim's case then you know and i mm-hmm. i think they i think they have the luxury of being able to wait that one out yeah yeah even on the um the Seahawks roster
0: they only have four linebackers listed, Cody Barton, Jordan Brooks, Ben Burkerman, and Bobby Wagner.
1: It'll be interesting to see if ultimately, I mean, I think Pete was pretty clear the other day that they see Daryl Taylor playing some linebacker. Um, yes, and he's yeah, currently listed as defensive I think end. That's, yeah. yeah, I think that's in the plans, and so, you know, the roster cool. may just look different this year as far as positional. So
0: he's a 200, and, you know, out of college he was two hundred what sixty-two. Or fifty-seven or fifty-nine, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's yeah. a little big to play strong side, but
1: you know, what <laughs> what are you, you going to do? Um, but on the de- well, I, th- I and I think it's talking. I don't think he's he'd be a full-time guy. I think more kind of the Bruce Irvin mold, right? Sort of in those yeah. Bare well, fronts. you he'd know the that, fifth guy. Yeah, and- you
0: know that um, Jamal Adams is going to take some snaps there. It it, it yeah. it's just kind of where they align, you know, in name yeah, only kind is- of thing.
2: This is a team that you're going to see in, in a lot of nickel because they want to get uh, Blair on the field hmm, and they yeah. want to get... Well, I was just
0: going um, to talk about that, Keith. It's like we were talking about defensive linemen, the, the uh, Ugo Amati and Blair. Uh, you've got that slot kind of man, but but they probably want Blair to move around a little bit, I would imagine. And then uh, mm-hmm. now you've got Trey Brown, Desir, Quandre Diggs is lining still up at, at free safety. I don't think we have a really good free safety option on the roster except for Marquis Blair but they've got him listed at strong safety still, um, not slot. Um,
2: we also have Ryan Neal.
0: Ryan um, Neal, they can play strong safety as well, but they don't have – there's really not a lot of
1: free safety talent on the roster, which I thought would was is kind well, of interesting.
2: Well, Ugo, Ugo Amadi. Um, That's what I was going
1: to say, especially with Trey Brown's addition. Ultimately, maybe he ends up being a slot, and, and Ugo can play more free safety. It's interesting what they've done with this defensive roster because – what was the book on Carroll's defense the first six, seven years, and especially in those Super Bowl years? It was that they don't do anything exotic. They just line up against you and they play their base defense and they try to play with good technique and, and make you beat them. Now it seems like what the light that went on yes last year halfway through the season was they started being a little more unpredictable. They started faking blitzes more. They started being a little bit less easy to read, and now you wonder the way they're putting this roster together. All these guys with versatility that can play different positions, I hope it means that week in and week out, depending on who the opponent is, we're going to see kind of some mix-and-match scheme changes and guys that can play a little bit of everything because they've they've certainly changed – the defensive roster in that way with a whole bunch of guys that can do a whole bunch of things.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. I, I, I think that we saw We did see a lot of that last year and that's how yeah. we ended up with a, uh, a strong safety that set an NFL record for sacks as a safety <laughs> yeah. despite, despite missing a bunch of games because of injury. Um, And so, you, you know, cause they're, they were doing a bunch of stuff and they were, they weren't running cover three on every play. They were running cover two a lot. And and um, they were doing, they were switching up their zones, and it was never, it was never the same thing two plays in a row. And I thought it was, it was different. It confused some quarterbacks down the stretch, uh, and it really got a lot out of, um, out of the talent that they had. And you saw the difference it made. I mean, a lot of it was getting guys healthy and getting guys there, and then the trade that happened. Um, but the first half of the season, they were and his historically bad defense they were on pace to to have the record completely blown out against them for uh yards um given up passing and in the second half of the season they were one of the best defenses in the nfl and some of that was the quarterbacks that they played you know let's let's remember that but they were they were legit and there was a philosophical change they got a bunch of guys back and there's a lot of different factors to it but being able to uh, be versatile in that defense was uh, was part of it.
0: Do you expect them to pick up right where they left off, or do you think there's going to be some sort of scheme change again or adjustments, or now that you've got Blair back and you've got Hyder in there, you're getting Taylor back, we don't know if Wright's coming back. Is there is there a difference in talent level, or do you think the back end's still kind of iffy and that really is the story is yet to be written on that.
2: I think the front end talent with the exception of, they need a pass rusher in the middle and we don't know who that's going to be. Um, and that, that I think when Pete Carroll was saying that they're going to add to the pass rush, I think it's someone in the middle, not an edge mm. guy. Um,
1: G- but Gino Atkins is still out there, right? That's yeah, kind that of that who, who I love him. Of. A yeah. guy
2: that, a guy that can, a guy that can get after the passer from the three tech spot. Mm. Um, that that when you know especially if they add that that the front end the pass rush is going to be great the corners don't have to be as good. Yeah. Um, they only got they've only got to, re- only got to uh, cover for you know three seconds.
0: So how do because- you think that we did compared to the other NFC West teams? I was just going to run through those really quick and just kind of get you know a quick word before we before we end. So Arizona's draft they got Zayvon Collins, uh, linebacker Rondell Moore, Marco Wilson. You know, the rest of their draft is eh. Um, the Rams got Tutu Atwell um, to kind of be their slot guy. Ernest Jones, linebacker, physical guy. Bobby Brown, I think a little underrated, uh, kind of a three-tech kind of uh, a guy. Robert Rochelle, one of the corners that we thought maybe would be on the periphery for them. Um, and then of the 49ers, I thought really did a nice job. Um, Trey Lance, obviously they traded from 12 to 3, got their quarterback. Keith, you really like Trey Lance
2: i like i i'm i'm really high on Lance. i I, what it sounds like when they made that trade they went up to get zach brooks and then in the week since then trey lance changed their mind um with his his workouts and everything and they went back and rewatched stuff and and they realized zach brooks was a guy with a pretty
0: not zach he's got a high what's his last name the quarterback Uh, Mac Jones. 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 Why am I saying Jones? Yeah.
2: Mac Jones. Um, so Jones is he's a guy that has a really high floor, but not the highest ceiling. I mean, he just doesn't,
0: right? Well, we all thought that was kind of weird.
2: Yeah. Um, but everyone thought, okay, but that's what um what Schottenheimer likes. He's he's uh not Schottenheimer, Shanahan. Shanahan. Um likes I'm I am just on a roll today. (laughs) Um but he likes the guys that are are super accurate and you know are good at processing whatever's in front of them they don't have to be athletic and and all those things yeah. um and so they're like oh yeah sure that'll work but his his ceiling is not that high um and so moving up to, to get him it just didn't make a lot of sense and i think that eventually they talked to themselves into the right pick which is get the guy with an insanely high ceiling a guy that can um He needs time. Yeah, I think he might struggle the
0: first first go around. We'll see.
2: He needs needs development. But you know what? They still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. So he's going to have a year. Um, He's going to get some playing time anyways because Garoppolo can never stay healthy. But um, he's going to get a chance to develop in this year. But he has really, really high. Yeah. No, know, I think it sets them level. sets them
0: up very well, and they also picked up Aaron Banks, a, a guard that we all thought was was really mm-hmm. well, a good physical guard. Trace Sermon, I thought was a great pick for them at running back. Ambre Thomas, yeah, that was a perfect, underrated that might have been corner, their best pick. Uh, like Jaylon Moore, and the yeah. offensive guard Keith that you liked. Um, they picked up the, uh, one of the safeties from USC, and then their last pick Elijah Mitzel um, had a really nice pro day, Lost some, dropped some weight from his regular season weight and showed that he could be a, a dynamic guy in the back end of the draft there. I thought that was a great value. So I, I liked their draft. I mean, I really did just from a kind of a non biased opinion, but uh, stupid, what do you think it 49ers does? 49ers had to,
2: had to have a good, <laughs> well job. you combine, you <laughs> have, you combine well, now, those additions with,
0: with the re-signing of Trent Williams and, and getting Bosa back and coming off that shitty year last year. Are they the team to beat now? in the division coming back from a really bad injury-stricken season to elevate themselves back to the top.
2: Who do they, they 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 sent their two starting cornerbacks into free agency and haven't replaced them. Um, they, there are still problems on the offensive line. There are still problems, um, the depth on the defensive line. Um, I don't think they are. Um, I think they're, they're, they still have Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback, which drops the ceiling for that team down significantly. Um, the team to beat is the Rams. Um, they're, to me, they're the strongest team and you know, the trade they made, um, they got themselves a quarterback and they've been able to, they've been able to fill in, um, around. I thought they were really going to struggle to keep that roster together with all of the cap hit, um, that they took in that trade but you know they were able to get a lot of pieces to resign it's it's a short window for them um you gotta love but,
0: this division i mean just as a fan uh oh, yeah, this division uh, is legit i mean it really is really I think every National team TV has games. really really competent G- general managers yeah. that are doing a mm-hmm. good job with long-term vision and and bringing in good quality talent i mean every team has a has a shot i mean arizona you might say, just from an inexperienced standpoint and a coaching standpoint, they might be the the bottom dwellers, but barely. I mean, they've got a great quarterback. They just need to surround them with good quality players and an offensive line. They've got a good, solid defense. I think that team is. They put themselves in a conversation anyway. They had a great offseason. I thought, including Ky- the draft.
2: Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray keeps them in the conversation no matter what. It's just like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, there were times in you know in the past few years where Seattle had a talent deficit, but Russell Wilson kept them in the playoffs. Um, do you think you know, Seattle Murray, still has
0: a talent deficit right now in the division? Or do you think they really made up for it this year?
2: I think they're in good shape. I think they're in really good shape. I don't, I. I think people aren't going to give them a lot of credit for where they're at, but I think they're in really good shape. Um, I think that Arizona, you got Kyler Murray is great. To me, it's going to come down to until they get a coach in there that knows what he's doing. They're just never going to live up to the talent. They're never going to live up to the potential that they have. Um, they really have got to get rid of Kingsbury and get a, a guy that knows how to coach and knows how to get the most out of his team.
0: Or he's got to surround I, himself I with with good quality position coaches or you know yep, a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator guy.
2: Yep. Once they do that, that team is going to be. They're going to be rough. They're going to be hard to deal with. But with Kingsbury in there, I'm not as concerned.
1: Yeah, I I agree with Keith on uh I do think the Rams are the team to beat. I I think they 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 had that all-in kind of go for it offseason going out and getting Stafford. Um but the pressure's on them. They're going to be everybody's pick and and all eyes are going to be on them. a lot of
0: coaches though too. And that they did, have... and
1: they don't have the depth that they did a couple of years ago. This is yep. what happens when you're paying a bunch of elite guys elite money. And and I didn't like their draft really at all. I don't think it added anything that we need to be concerned with. No. And, and San Francisco, I think has as well. Let me just say this: as talented and we as we talked about this anybody. a month ago, three months ago. I think we were all scared of what the Seahawks team was going to look like in 2021. Absolutely, could have gone a I lot of different directions. Up. Given the lack of resources financially and draft pick-wise, I think what John Schneider was able to do this offseason was remarkable. And I think he's gotten their roster to a point that now when you look at him against San Francisco with Bosa and all their guys coming back, the difference is the quarterback. And I still think the Seahawks have the second-best roster in the division as we stand here today. Um, And then I'll say this about Trey Lance. Does he have the highest ceiling of those guys that were available? Absolutely. Does he have traits? Absolutely. He's thrown less than 400 passes in college football. He's played one game in the last 18 months. And he played not just let's not just talk about level of competition, but let's talk about the team he played for at that level of competition. He played for the New England Patriots of that level. He played for a team that was loaded with guys that are on NFL rosters today against teams that weren't. And and I I I see the traits on tape. I do but we saw those same traits out of Carson Wentz at that level, that, too.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah,
2: And Carson, and, and Carson Wentz had a near-MVP-type year before relationship with the coach broke down, his mechanics went to crap and everything. I mean, he did have a fantastic year a couple of years ago.
1: He did, so. and, and and I'm not saying that, that Lance won't. All the things you hear about him, his his head for the game and his football mind are all things that give him an edge over a lot of these other prospects that we drool over every year. I just think that as high as his ceiling is, he also probably, of all those guys, has the highest margin for error. Yeah. He's I don't got the think— lo-
2: He's got the lowest floor of the yeah. five elite quarterbacks, but he's got the second it's, highest It's not ceiling. a sure
1: thing. And Kyle Shanahan yep. and his father, Mike, both don't have a great history of selecting and grooming quarterbacks. And so mm-hmm. we'll see. I think as a Seahawk fan, though— I would have been a little more nervous if they had taken Justin Fields, for example, because I think he would have played as a rookie. I think we're looking forward to another season of primarily Jimmy Garoppolo, if he can stay healthy. And and again, I think that, that works against the 49ers in big games. So... We'll see. It's going to be – I can't wait for that schedule to come out in two weeks because I think the NFC West is going to be all over the national TV game yeah. schedule. It should be. And look at our home schedule potentially. Yeah. To get, you know, We get Kyler Murray, of course, Matt Stafford. That's cool. We could see Trey Lance at home. We could see Justin Fields as the starting quarterback of the Bears, Trevor Lawrence as the starting quarterback of the Jags, and then Tanny Hill and we get to see Matt Stafford or uh Jared Goff again and then wow. uh, I guess Ian Book for the New Orleans Saints I guess Yeah, that
0: was an interesting pick early. No, I'm
2: joking. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a weird yeah, it's what were I mean I the really liked surprises? him in
2: this
0: what in the senior bowl. were the, some of the bowl? biggest
1: reaches you guys saw.
0: Well, I think the Ian Book one is interesting because um I thought he had a fantastic senior bowl. He looked like a very competent but he's so physically limited as a player but mentally I really like him um so it'll be interesting to see if he ever gets out of the second tier uh backup quarterback type type thing I don't think he will
2: the um who is the Stanford quarterback who, Mills. who? Mills Davis Mills yeah um he's going in look at the situation he's going in <laughs> he's going weird. he he gets to go in behind and sit behind Tom Brady for a year um and and just learn
1: oh you're talking about Kyle Trask
2: Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Kyle, yeah, yeah. Kyle, Mills yeah, went so. to
1: the Texans. I thought you were going to talk about how terrible his situation Yeah, was. no,
2: I was uh, <laughs> I was thinking, I, I, actually, and I wanted to, but I was, I was yeah. thinking about the, the two of them together. But, no, it's um, Kyle Trask gets to go sit behind Tom Brady for a year. That team is absolutely loaded yeah. um, everywhere on the roster. And he's just going to sit there. He's going to learn. He's going to be in the film room with one of the best ever at, in the film room. Um just learning like crazy. And then he's probably going to be handed the keys to the franchise a year from now. And Um,
1: he can't move, but he doesn't have to behind that offensive line. I mean, he can, he can sling it.
2: Uh, And then you look at the other end um, with Mills going to, to the Texans. And this is a guy who is not going to be ready to start, but if things go poorly for, um, you know, all the legal stuff that's going on there, he may be thrown out there week one. And he is yeah. gonna get clobbered. Uh, he is, yeah. That's a that's, of all the situations that he could have gone to, that was one of the worst ones for him. And then and I, I the, like him.
1: I, as far as quarterbacks go, I thought Kellen Mond landed in a pretty good situation with the Vikings too. You know, with the team that I thought so. Too. You know, he gets this no pressure to play right away, pretty good roster. And do you, you think know, the two
0: sixty six overall was a little early for him, or do you think that was inevitable? Because well, there was, uh, Mond was are that guy a this bit. year?
1: Yeah, Mond was that guy this year, and Mills had a, about five minutes of this too, where it was like, you know, I'm hearing he might sneak into the bottom of the first round. Obviously, that didn't happen, but you know, it would with this draft, and and with the drop off after those first five quarterbacks to the next ones, teams will talk themselves into quarterbacks if they really need one, and you always, you know, they always need them. So. yeah
0: two of my favorite corners in the draft ended up going a little earlier than i thought and uh, i thought they may have been in play around pick 100 or so if seattle could figure out a way to work themselves back into a spot um where paulson Ad- adibo was there or yeah. um benjamin saint juice was there uh, benjamin uh, saint juice went, went Lauder, 74 though. overall and yeah. and and adibo went 76 so you know about 25 30 picks before i thought that they would go but i understand you know, they really- why they went
2: you know who went later than I really expected was Israel Mukuafu. Um and he has even the sixth round. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, right. And we picked guy, our guy before before him. I thought that I he would have a, a real opportunity with the Seahawks because he, he actually he's, does he's, everything that Seattle likes really well.
2: He's six three, he's long, and he's super athletic. He's a guy that I am I am really surprised that. Seahawks went with a five foot nine guy with short arms um over a guy like that. But and he went around and a half later. It's it's crazy. It's so, crazy uh, to me that he went so check late. Check this
0: out, Keith. So uh in our mock draft, uh the corner so we mentioned um Mills, the the corner that we picked up an undrafted free agent, and you kind of said, Is that the guy that you're thinking about in the seventh round? And I said, No, it's uh Nashon Wright. Mm-hmm. from oregon state he went 99 overall to the dallas cowboys i'll have you know the guy the kid from oregon state you he were did. on it, <laughs> it
2: Wow, crazy i i didn't see him going that that early oh, no, at, all. I be, at all i figured he'd be i figured he'd be sixth seventh round but yeah. 99th overall and
0: elijah molden believe it or not a superior player in every possible way went after he did um at 100 overall so i thought you know it, he would go a lot earlier um yeah the Quinn miners ended up going 98. I thought he would end up i thought his rise um was was um was was pretty substantial um but I thought that, that just given all of the press and all, all that that he would end up going in the you know 70s or 80s and he ended up going a little later probably right about yeah, where he yeah. should have been
2: he was a guy that if the, if the CX were able to trade back a couple of times and pick up mm. maybe a couple fourth round picks that you know miners was the guy that I was kind of hoping that they'd They'd zero in on to be that center of the future because athletically and everything, he just has everything that you'd want. Um, he just needs time. He needs he needs coaching. And but they've got Posic who can come in and play this year. Posik's probably going to get hurt at some point and miss some time, and so Miners would get a chance to get some some reps and and that in the in games and, and it would be good for his development. And a year from now, we'd have a starting center. Um, but you know, it just didn't fall that way for them.
1: I think one of the most fascinating things to see as we get into camp is going to be that secondary and watching those corners mm. and, and that battle. And, and you know, they usually sign two or three of those guys in undrafted free agency. Um, but I wonder, especially given, you know, the learning curve and the lack of learning curve we talked about earlier, you know, this is the time of year that I always like to – reacquaint myself with the practice squad and the futures guys and some of those guys that were sort of under the radar. Yeah. you know, they were really high on Gavin Heslop, who they took out of Son- or they signed out of Stony Brook last year as an undrafted guy. They added Jordan Miller at the end of the season and signed him to a futures deal. The kid out of Dub, everyone from here knows, and he was a fifth-round pick of the Falcons, played for Dan Quinn for two years. He's in that mold 6'2 and 207, and and mm-hmm. even Jason Stanley is still only 24 years old, and they like him, and he's 6'2. So you wonder, you know, there's always those guys every year that Pete talks about how much they like him, and then, they, and then sometimes you never hear from him again but I wonder if they feel pretty highly about some of those young defensive backs they have that we're not talking
0: about. I'm still a little um, wary of the lack of safeties on this roster, but I agree with you on the corners. I think that the, the corner group is interesting and, you know, competition wins. And if that's the case, we may have a, um, a capable, okay level defensive back group this year. Um, that may end up surprising us, but at the same time, when you look at them on paper, they're underwhelming and they're not going to scare anybody. So it's, what do you what do there? There's a lot
1: there? more competition there, though. You know, just, just two years ago, our primary two deep at the corner position was Nico Thorpe and Akeem King. That was it. I mean, I you have to admit there's a lot more depth of talent there now to choose mm-hmm. from, and, and hopefully some of those guys will, you know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who are, who are you most excited
0: camp? to see in 2021 um, up and down the entire roster? Oof. Keith, what do you what do you got, Keith?
2: Oh, um
0: like do you think DK do you think DK is. Metcalf has another level? Like you he remember does. last year we talked about this, you know, kind of leading into the season, we said, okay, who you, who's going to make the jump and we all said, well, DK's got to make a jump because and and we the first season we were Kind of, we walked around a little bit uh, gingerly because we didn't want like, to give him yeah, too much keep, of a, a ceiling and
2: keep keep the keep the expectations low exactly. for him. He's a rookie. Rookies <laughs> always underproduce what people think they should because um, it takes time to develop. And he just um, we're like keep the expectations down. He is that good, but you know that doesn't mean he's going to produce. And then he just did great. And then last year we were like, okay, we know he's got all pro potential. Exactly. Is he going to get there? Right. And for most of the season, he, he did. He did, right. Um, I think there, he does have
1: another level because I he, think so too. Oh my God, <laughs> he, you guys. Because because we still saw him. I, I mean, when he gets a, to a point where he's winning those battles against elite corners, when we can play the Rams and he doesn't get shut out and mm-hmm. he can start winning some of those battles, I think mm-hmm. that's his next level. Yep. And, um, and I think and catching I think the other a couple thing more
0: is, contested catches.
2: He's got he's got to cut down on the drops. He cuts down on the drops. Yeah. I mean, he's got another uh, fifteen catches you and you know, hundred uh, and fifty yards, and that was just last year. Yeah. So I, I do think there's another level for him. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to get there. Um, but honestly, I, I, I well, this is I'm really excited about seeing the offensive line because I'm me <laughs> and that's what I do. Because yeah. um, I, I I watch Jeff and so, but the idea of having gabe jackson in there who's a um a pass blocking you know guy who's really good and you know he's seeing forsyth in the preseason and and at camp being able to come in and and he's a pass blocking guy and and just the overall talent that they've got they're they've got good talent they've got some depth which is pete seems
0: to be really high Uh on cedric abuahe keith like where he's going to get an opportunity uh, against shell to be able to compete for a starting spot do you think that that's a viable option?
2: I mean, let him compete. I think Shell's going to win that competition um, based on what we saw the first half of the year when Shell looked great. Um, and then Shell had that injury. Abu hey came in. Abu hey looked terrible. Then Abu hey, um Looked competent. Looked competent and looked good. And then Shell came back and Shell was not as good as he was early yeah. in the season. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the year, they were equal. Well, Dan, they what, were, do you, they really what do you were. think
0: about what Pete Carroll said about you know i feel bad for abuhe because he you know because of covid we really didn't give some guys a chance to really compete and and earn spots and this year's going to be different
2: well and i think that um i think that he's going to to me to honestly um they're pretty equal as far as talent and 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 production and stuff you look at especially the the last few games last year and they sh- there should be a competition if
0: brandon Shell doesn't start does he get cut
2: no, because you still need a swing tackle. and he's still inexpensive.
1: I thought yep. that was interesting. It was almost like he was he was putting pressure on Shell. He was kind of calling him out, you know. And I even had that's what it seemed like. I even had one of those thoughts when I was when I was listening to to him talk about a boy he, where I was like, I wonder if they offered Shell an extension. He turned it down, and now Carol's putting the heat on him. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, that seemed odd to me. But maybe that was just yeah. the one spot that kind of was easy for him to pick out to talk about his idea that he didn't think, think he did a good you know, enough when job I, when of when
0: pete does something like that it's usually not a, a diss on shell it's usually trying to elevate a, a guy mm-hmm. yeah and um that to me was a clear elevation of cedric abuhe as a guy that he's he's basically told him listen i'm going to give you a real chance this year you better come into camp ready yeah and that's that was a challenge more to abuhe to be ready as opposed to shell kind of you did a bad job your jobs in jeopardy it's kind
2: of a thing yeah because that was well but it's all it is going to light a fire under shell he's gonna he's He's gonna hear that be like whoa i'm in a contract year if i win the starting job i'm gonna get paid next year if i don't i may be out of a job Mm -hmm. next year and just like not you know be bouncing around as a backup so for him he knows what's at stake he's going to be working out he's going to be uh, in the weight room more than, than he had planned on it. And, and he's going to come in and be ready. So I think
1: the thing I'm most looking forward to other than just the offense itself, what the offense is going to look like, I want to see what he does with that tight end group, you know, with, with bringing Gerald Everett in and, and, and mm-hmm. how unique Colby Parkinson can be. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and we
0: didn't get a chance at all to see what he can
1: yeah. do.
2: And a, a whole another whole year of, workouts and rehab and and getting healthy for 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 disley who kind
1: of seemed like he he was really stuck in the corner last year after you know we saw the potential the beginnings of his first two years there's so much to work with there and i Mm -hmm. think we've needed we've wanted our coordinators here forever to use the tight ends more Mm because seahawks have always had a good tight end room but i think everett in particular is such a dynamic talent and parkinson is so unique and, and then Disley is kind of your well, on you have the way, wide receiver group. Yeah. dan, i'm I'm telling you that the uh,
0: the offense has the potential to be the most dynamic and explosive offense I think the Seahawks have ever had.
1: I't do if think, you yeah, really yeah. look at it
2: that's that's saying a lot because with the the Mike Holmgren, um, you know Matt Hasselbeck is like 2005. That offense that was just,
0: tremendous. I mean, Sean
2: Alexander that, that off, had what like sixteen hundred yards teams. and twenty
0: five or twenty eight touchdowns or something like that. That was crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, they that 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 offense was not. And Daryl
0: Jackson, if if he didn't mm-hmm. have all the drops, he'd still be playing in Seattle because that that guy could play. I mean, he was one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. But but the the drops there killed him. So
2: well, yeah, and then he hurt his knee. And then like he went to San Francisco and, and couldn't really even yeah. produce because right. once his, he lost his right. knee, I, he was, I'm, he was I, done. Yeah, I was kidding, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean that do what, does this have the potential to be more dynamic and more explosive and everything? Yeah, actually it does. Um, well, you yeah, had Jeremy
0: Stevens at tight end. You had, you know, a couple yeah. all pros, you know, hall of fame, uh, left side of the offensive line, Robbie Tobeck at center. Um, uh, Was it Edwin Bailey? I think at right guard, maybe.
1: On that team, no, it was uh, um no, uh, no, it was the kid that went to Atlanta after that. Um, I'll think about it because I'm thinking of the Beastquake run, because it, it was McQuiston uh-huh. was on that offensive line. Oh, that's funny, yeah. And then uh, that that offense was underrated. Yeah. I mean, Matt Hasselback off- you
0: you always thought of as being kind of a placeholder kind of guy, a guy that's just going to run an offense and stuff. But you know, he was at that year, he was probably yeah. a top five quarterback in the NFL. He had
2: a three year run, um, 2005. Um, 2006 and 2007, where he was an elite quarterback. And then he hurt his back. And when he hurt his back, he lost a lot. And one of the things that he lost was his quick release, because he had, from the time the ball would start moving until it's out of his hands, he had one of the quickest releases in the NFL when he was at the top of his game. So when a guy came open, it was out of his hand and and to him. Um, he, He didn't have the greatest arm, but he could still get the ball to him quickly because of that, that that quick release. Once he hurt his back, his his uh release really slowed down and that's when he started to really struggle. Um he was still a veteran, he still knew his stuff, he still was was good, but he could no longer do anything at an elite level. And 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 that, that was kind of the end of it for him, but he had a 3-year run where he was an elite player.
0: So uh, are, are you guys excited um, to see, now I'm going to end it here because it's uh, we went just as long as we thought we would, Dan. Yeah,
2: that's what happens. I mean, the, <laughs> three, I of us, the three of us get together, I the three of us get together and we know it's yeah. going to And by the way, listeners, gonna we're going to try to
0: get together this summer for a live show to, all together. And, and we'll try to break the, the all time record.
1: Oh, that, um, yeah. That'll be yeah. a marathon. Well, that'll be that'll fun, be a marathon. We'll, we'll <laughs> actually take <laughs> donations uh, on the. <laughs> We'll auction <laughs> things off.
0: We'll call it, yeah. What what do you call it? A, a telethon or whatever? Yeah, yeah we'll raise money for charity, or something and,
1: like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so More how like about Jamal Adams? Does Jamal Adams come back in a contract year where he could end up being franchise tagged next year? In a year he really wants to get an extension, to get paid, to get you know, prove that he's worth what he wants to be worth? Does he come in mentally in the right space mm-hmm. and really? be a difference maker again this year in the, in the defense and, and how do they integrate him with, with the new guys?
1: I hope he does. I I think he will. I think especially almost coming off the injury works to the team's advantage. Uh, I think he's still, he's aware of the perception of him out there that he's not a guy that would work in every scheme and on every roster. Um, And if the Seahawks aren't going to pay him, he's going to get paid somewhere else. First of all, I think that extension will get done before the first game, but um, so, so oh. I think it's a moot point, but if, if Do you think if that things he's susceptible down, to injury, the way he, the way that he plays potentially, especially that shoulder injury was so fluky, he barely got clipped. Um, but ho- I think the Seahawks have built a roster too, where he's not going to have to blitz 40% of the time like he did last year. And maybe they can protect him that way a little bit too, and not have him up on the line. Okay, of so is that a good thing capacity. or a
0: bad thing for the defense considering his coverage skills?
2: His, we'll the, see what the they do. Of, the deficiencies in his coverage skills are overblown.
1: And I think it's a ball skill issue. It's not a coverage issue. He's there. There were so many plays last year that he should have made, including Maybe a pick six. because that, he
2: was spread
0: over, you know, so many responsibilities in the yeah, defense. It could that, be. Another year in the system. Know, he's just focused a little bit more in in one direction. Yeah. That might help him. I yeah.
1: think I think that the the sum of the parts is, again, compared to three months ago, I mean this roster I thought we we're gonna to have to patch things together just to be competitive this year
0: well we could have gone two different ways Dan worst case scenario Russell Wilson's off the roster for we sure. traded him for a bunch of picks and we're starting over yeah. to here we are today where it looks about as good as it possibly could have looked given the draft capital given the original um, money that we had available in free agency um you gotta I mean hats off to John Schneider for for building the roster the way that it was done and handling the situation. I know some people don't agree with the way that Russell Wilson's situation was handled completely. It was done privately, internally, and I thought, you know, in the end it proved to be the right way to handle that because handling that publicly probably would have turned out completely different.
1: Even if you set the Russell Wilson drama aside, heading into this offseason, my biggest fear was status quo is what was going to rule the day. And the Seahawks were just going to do what they always do, and they were going to stick with Brian Schottenheimer out of stubbornness, and they were going to, you know, those comments from Pete that they were going to run the ball more. And because of the lack of draft capital and salary cap space, they were just going to sign a couple bargain basement guys and try to move forward with what they had. But the fact that they were so creative and they broke some of their own rules and how they structure contracts and, and, and even brought in a guy like Waldron who kind of goes against... Carroll's history and what he's looked for in an offensive coordinator, that's what encourages me and I think the end result is this is a roster now, of course there's questions left, there's only one roster I can think of in the NFL that really doesn't have any question marks and they're the ones that are holding the Lombardi trophy from last year but it's a team that if things go right and they stay healthy obviously and the new scheme works, this is a roster that can compete for a Super Bowl again and I didn't think I'd be saying that four months ago.
2: Wow. Yeah, um, and uh, just to, to Bill's point, like if, if it had gone that Russell Wilson had, was going to be traded and he was at that point to wait, uh, trade Brown, trade Adams. Oh, trade Diggs, we would Yeah. This um, would have been a lot different draft un- unload everyone. Then you'd have, you have 74 picks and you just reload the team. Um, and you, you work towards becoming competitive in a couple years. Um, but the fact that they didn't have to do that, they didn't have to do it, you know, go in that direction instead, they they retooled a roster despite not having the resources to do so and they did it in a way that this is a competitive team and especially if um uh, you know with uh, drew Brees gone in, in you know in new orleans and it with what's going on in green bay um there just isn't like the NFC It's is it's be Tampa, Tampa, Tampa and the
1: NFC West.
2: <laughs> and the NFC West. That's what I Tampa and the NFC West. There just isn't that level of like um just competition, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just a loaded conference. Uh this I mean Green Bay might be if they get the Aaron Rodgers things fixed, but if they don't, I mean it really is it's that you win your division and and then worry about Tampa down the road. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah i think you know the russell wilson thing is is interesting um going forward we'll see what happens you know in the next calendar year um but i think roster building wise um i think seattle added to everything that they needed to add to maybe save the cornerbacks but we'll see i think they added there i'm just we're just not convinced yet that it's that it's done or it's enough but you take a look at the defensive line you take a look at the offensive line. You take a look at the weapons. They brought back Chris Carson. You know at the weapons at, at wide receiver and uh, Daryl Everett. Yeah. They they um they secured Chris Carson coming back and made sure that that area was was handled before the draft. And um I just think that they built the roster the right way this season with with the mm-hmm. defensive line being the uh, ultimate priority. They had said the the year prior in 2019 that it was the priority and failed to address it to the point where they had to get carlos dunlap yeah. um in a mid-season trade and this year i think they did it right they, they made the correct play on the carlos dunlap situation and free agency turned out and um i just think that the, overall they've really done a good job making smart moves um waiting out free agency you know for good values and the carry Hyder thing may, may turn out to be one of my favorite picks uh, or my favorite uh, free agency moves, just because of the lunch pill kind of attitude that he brings and, and the type of play that uh, and player that he is, and um, yeah, I couldn't be more pleased overall with yeah. with with everything. I would have liked to have seen maybe a, a couple more trade backs and a little bit of a different philosophy in the draft, but I'm not going to complain because we got some some good players and we were pretty well handled going into the drafts anyway, as far as needs so
2: yeah i'm 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 really glad to see them focus the off season mostly on uh the de- the defensive line the offensive line um and you know just cuz that's where they've been deficient they they were just getting beat up front on both both sides of the ball and and so they they went out to improve that and that's something that i think this is a team that needed to do they they needed to address the fact that they were getting beat at the line of scrimmage
0: all right i think that's enough (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna release you guys now Uh, you guys can carry on with your day um Thanks for for joining us, Dan. Really appreciate it. Dan, where can we find you? How do we listen to you? Um, All that good stuff.
1: Uh, The Emerald City Sportscast is available on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and Google and all those podcast places. Uh, You've done a
0: great job with that show, by the way. Thank
1: you, sir. Appreciate it. And Mm -hmm. uh, also the YouTube channel, Emerald City Sportscast. Um, Subscribe there. I'm pretty much live streaming all the shows now on video and uh, back to having more guests. You're gonna have again, to share so.
0: share your inside information on how to do that really well because uh, I Keith and I, I think we could do it because we never edit <laughs> our shows, so we could just yeah, definitely yeah. do a live show. But um, I'm technology challenged in private, and um, well, when we
1: get together <laughs> for the hackathon, yeah, we can uh, we can go over all that stuff. Yeah. All right. That'll um, be a crossover event, by the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that so will be, be a, a little, yeah. an
0: interesting pairing and an interesting uh, kind of a a profit sharing if there was any profit in this. Um, yeah, that'll be a great event. <laughs> I'm, I almost booked the flight today. I just didn't clear it with the boss. So right. I, I, I didn't push uh, purchase, but I've, I've got my flights identified. So I'll, I'll definitely be there. We're talking about July. so Well, it'll be good to um, see. Yeah. Find mm-hmm. Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show's at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows. And um, and Seahaw- yeah. Seahawks Find forever
1: a- for my Twitter. I should have. Seahawks forever
0: on Dan. That's absolutely right. And um, yeah, we're on YouTube as well. And until next time, and there will be a next time. <laughs> thanks, Go Hawks.
2: Guys. Go Hawks.
0: <laughs> Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at MyersNFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.